Hello guys, welcome to the Black Queen's Republic podcast. Today I have Hilda. Hilda is a friend of mine. I met her at church and she's here to talk about being a mom. I'm excited. Say hi, Hilda. Hi everyone. My name is Hilda. Um, I'm a Ugandan. I am a, ma- a proud mother of three, mm-hmm. two beautiful girls and a boy. Um, I work with uh, special needs children, mm-hmm. but now I'm not working because of the whole COVID situation. So I'm basically, um, yeah, stay at, stay at home mom, looking mm-hmm. after the kids and yeah, just enjoying myself, like spending as much time as I can with them because school is r- around the corner. So yeah. What do you think of the Ontario government's plans to sort of get kids back in, like this idea that kids are going to be able to social distance? To be honest, for me, it's like a nostalgic, you know, kind of, you know, situation for me. Because mm-hmm. at one point, I, like, I worry about the kids going back to school after this, you know, horrendous period that we've been in. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, I feel like the kids need to go back to school because not so many parents like are equipped to teach kids, you know, from home. Because mm-hmm. uh, recently they sent us uh, emails and they were asking us to fill out a survey that is asking us whether we want to send the kids back to school or we would prefer the kids to actually be homeschooled. Mm-hmm. But um, imagine a situation where, you know, some pe- some parents. Um, their first language is not English right. and then they send a whole bunch of you know work for, for kids to do at home right. so how are parents going to juggle that you know situation having to teach the kids at school at home mm-hmm. vis-a-vis the parents who are like okay I've had enough time with the kids I think I need to go back to work mm-hmm. and I have to send my kids to school mm-hmm. but again the fear that you know the kids kids are kids right. you don't you have that assurance that they will keep their masks on for the whole day, right? Right. And of course, there are some kids who have like health, you know, underlying health problems. Right. So for example, who are kids who have asthma, Mm -hmm. so like, will they be able to keep the mask on? So there's a lot of like things that me as a parent, I'm worried about, Mm -hmm. but I'm like, I just have to take extra precaution and like just caution the kids that you know when you're at school please remember to you know have your mask whenever possible and just know that you know covid is real i know some kids it's hard for them to like you know digest in their small little minds that Mm -hmm. covid is actually real and it's you know it's dangerous Mm -hmm. but you know i feel like for my 11 year old son he kind of gets the concept that you know it's very important for him to have his mask on But again, they're like from grade four up to grade uh, 12, those are the kids that are supposed to wear masks. But right. again, I have kids from, uh, you know, one, one of my youngest is, in, is going to grade one and the other one is going to grade three. Mm-hmm. But in my own opinion, I feel like the younger ones actually need the masks more because their immune system is not yet like strong enough to, you know, kind of like fight off different like infections. 
Or yeah. else the, the, the older kids kind of like, you know, would take precautions. So it's like a nostalgic situation for me. I feel like, you know, part of me is like, okay, the kids need to go back to school because I feel like they'll learn more, understand and understand the concepts more mm-hmm. where it, when they're in class mm-hmm. vis-a-vis like staying at home because I tested it. They sent us a, a, like a whole bunch of stuff at home and we kind of like turned into teachers, right? Yes. So in my opinion, I feel like I would kind of send my child to school mm-hmm. for them to feel like to to kind of experience that class setting and, you know, understand the concepts that the teachers are trying to teach them. But at the same time, I'm kind of worried and I'm like, COVID is real, you know? Right. So it's, yeah. So, but the government has, you know, put up uh, regulations and rules for us to follow as parents. Mm-hmm. So as parents, we have to do our part. Right. And, you know, buying masks, because kids are kids, they'll always lose the mask, so you have to buy a whole bunch of masks. Right. And also, like, just keep reminding them, please wear your masks. Well, I I mean, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, but I feel like the government has done, like, its part to send us as much information as possible Mm -hmm. and to give us the reassurance that our kids will be in safe hands. But as parents, we also need to do our like our part to make sure that we can we kind of keep you know the the level of you know um, infections like at bay, right? Right. So yeah, that's my opinion. I feel like yeah, the government has really taken it's taken its um like taken the initiative to like do its part mm-hmm. as far as like keeping our kids in within the school setting safe is concerned. Okay, I mean, that's an interesting point of view. I haven't heard anyone say that. Um, I think the concern that people are having is, so kids under, I believe, 10 Uh have, because their immune systems are a bit, for lack of a better word, they're a bit younger. So they, they they can carry the virus, but most likely, I don't know, it's asymptomatic, I think it's called. So much right. as they won't catch the virus in the way that it will, the virus won't make them sick, mm-hmm. but the, the concern is that they could take it home to grandparents and parents, right? And so right. the older you get, the more, of course, you know, because the older we get, our bodies are like withering, like we're, we're I don't want to say wasting away, but that's basically what's happening as we uh, get old system is compromised as we age exactly so i think that's why yeah. the older kids that they're saying the older kids need to be more precautious because now their immune immune systems are declining and then you mm-hmm. get into people our age and mm-hmm. then you know and the list goes on and on because it's mm-hmm. going to be hard for parents and i know that parents obviously have good intentions they're going to you know tell their kids like hey this is important but only God knows what is going to happen when they get to school. Like kids, I'm sorry, I went to elementary and high school here. Right. Kids are disgusting. <laughs> like they just like, they're nasty. Like, like even adults, like you go, when I, when I was going to the gym before uh-huh. this whole situation, people are nasty. I will tell you yeah. that. Like yeah. you see, you're literally looking at people and they will literally look you straight dead ass in the face and not clean the yeah. machine. Yeah. Like yeah. sis, huh? Like, or you go and they've dropped towels everywhere. Like y'all have been in yeah. these bathrooms. So adults are disgusting. Can you imagine yeah. 
yeah. kids. I, I don't know. I think I, I I think that the government has enough resources to provide yeah, sure teachers to to kids from home. But I feel uh, like they don't want to spend the money, which is basically the conservative government is about if if you know them, they're very much like very little we don't want to spend any of our money. So, but exactly. they have the money to literally be like, okay, the kids are at home. Let's find a way to have classrooms in the, in uh-huh. in the homes. But they are not going to do uh-huh. that because screw everybody. We don't care about y'all. We just care about the rich, the rich white know, straight men. I know. So. And the, 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 like the middle class and the poor, yeah. like they are the majority, right? Exactly. Because for them, like their kids go to like private schools, so exactly. they're they not that you know affected, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's it, it doesn't really like favor us, right? So we have kind of have to like be, you know, I don't even know, I, I don't know how to say. It. We have to be like the. I'm trying to find the right word to use. Like we have to be the sacrifice. The I don't mm. know how to call. It. We, like we, it's we are the sacrifice because right. for them it's, it doesn't really affect them. Exactly. Much. Like Doug Ford's yeah. kids are probably going to have a private teacher come to their house. Yeah. The private teacher is going to get COVID tests every fourteen days. Mm-hmm. Make sure, or they could even give him a house in their how many houses, so he does he never leaves the house. So they have the money and and I just and the fact that Doug Ford is is even considering making grade nine classes even bigger is mind blowing to me of yeah. all the times to make classes bigger, sir. This is it's not the time, but uh, far from me to expect anything from the conservative government. Yeah. Like just Yeah, because I also heard that um that because I work in a, I work with the special needs children. Right. Um, usually in a typical class where like there's um, like kids with disabilities or special needs kids have to be included in a, like a mainstream class. Mm-hmm. They usually have what they call an EA, an educational assistant, mm-hmm. on top of like um, the, the, the teacher and then a child and youth worker. So apparently what I've heard that the EAs are being phased out because they feel like they need to save money. They're spending so much money paying EAs. Mm -hmm. So the strain is going to actually be on the teacher because remember he has, he or she, the teacher has like the regular kids and then also the special needs kids because Mm -hmm. what the government is doing is that like they want to do as much inclusion as possible. They don't want to have like special schools for special needs kids. So they, they kind of like incorporate them in like the mainstream schools. So these kids are going to be left hanging Mm -hmm. because I mean, at the end of the day, the teacher will always like concentrate on the kids who like grasp things faster. Right. Definitely. Which I feel like it's unfair because I mean, EAs are really, 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 they play a very big role when it comes to ch- helping the children. Who oh, have, absolutely. Like, yeah. So if they, I, I feel like it's unfair for them to like cut funding mm-hmm. for children like that. Yeah. And if, if other kids were in like pri- private schools, mm-hmm. they still get, you know, access to the EAs. So mm-hmm. somehow, like you said, that. They have the resources, they have the money, but 
but yeah. they just don't want to spend the money, right? They don't. And yeah. the reason why people voted for the the people that voted for the conservative government is because of that very reason that they they don't give a shit about the poor. They don't care about the disadvantaged in society. It's Mm-hmm. You have money, and who has the most money in Canada? It's typically rich, white, straight yeah. men. Yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, it, it's crazy. And you know what? Let's see how September goes. I personally think, I don't have kids, by the way, guys, for context. So I'm literally mm-hmm. speaking with zero experience whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But I think... I think schools reopening is a horrendous idea because I know that this government does not care about the kids. They just want people to shut up about the schools and they want, and and then if you die, nobody cares when poor people die. And by poor, I mean people that aren't rich. So... Yes. Don't, don't come for me in my DMs and be like, oh, Jane, you called us poor. There's, I'm talking about like poor versus rich here. So, right. which is most of us are like, most of us are poor compared to, to the Doug Fords of the world. So, yeah, yeah. But we'll see how it goes. Um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. They're talking about a second wave, but let's pray that. <laughs> Oh yeah, there's a second wave <clears throat> in winter, so I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm so worried. I'm like, uh, I don't know. I sure so hope let's not. Let's wait and see, because I heard mm-hmm. when the schools, I don't know, when the schools or daycare centers in America are opened, mm-hmm. there was like a very high increase uh, of the cases of, you know, COVID-19, and I'm like, okay, so now that schools are opening next month, what are we as parents supposed to expect if we are hearing like these numbers going up in america uh-huh. so it, it gets us really worried but i mean children. america is taking zero precaution you have to like they're they're not really like the places i've been seeing that have been having high cases like arizona the the uh-huh. red states it's because they're not taking precaution at all people are being are telling their kids like don't worry about a, a mask we're not democrats like in america it's a political issue when you wear a mask you're on biden's side when you don't wear a mask you're a trump supporter so um, america has their own ridiculous problems i think Doug yeah. Ford is a bit more sensible they may yes. have the same racist values but i think Doug Ford is not that ridiculous but we'll we'll wait and see what Just happens wait and see what September brings. <laughs> yeah hopefully yeah. parents can get a break mm-hmm. oh man I'm so glad I didn't get pregnant this year lord I that would have been a hot mess but um let's get into today's topic so today we're talking about you know just with with the current climate uh mm. political climate with you know black lives matter you know since the George Floyd Thing happened I've been I've been wanting to talk to like a parent of raising black children and um, you know I just wondering like how how y'all are even managing you know because when I watch the news it is uh-huh. it's jarring 
already and I don't have kids but I'm a black person so now I can imagine being a black person who also has black children it has to be a whole nother you know layer of of shit that you gotta think Uh about um now the first thing i want to ask you is is tell me about you know when you became a mom at what age and were you expecting to be a mother because i know that you had you had one of your kids or two of your kids in uganda yes i had two of my kids in uganda then the the third one i had her here so can you tell me about what your mindset was around raising your kids when they were born in uganda um my mindset was like of course there's cultural expectations when mm-hmm. it comes to kids there are different role expectations when it when it comes to kids for example like boys are supposed to like do certain kinds of chores mm-hmm. and girls are supposed to do certain kinds of chores mm-hmm. and of course uh in uganda it takes a village to raise a child and mm-hmm. uh, of course you have so much help in terms of house help maids family friends mm-hmm. it's 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 diff- like it's very it, it's a conducive you know atmosphere to raise a child right and of course you know safety also like it's 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 safer like i've tested you know being a parent in uganda and being a parent here it's it's way different so my expectations of you know having being a parent in uganda was like a bit you know safe in my mind that you know i will raise my children at least i know that i can leave my children with a maid and if i don't have a maid i my mom is around uh, around the corner my sister is here mm-hmm. so it for me it was uh, like you know a safe place for me to you know expect that i need i would need i would always have the help that i need mm-hmm. of course not forgetting that i i as a parent had the responsibility to impart different values mm-hmm. in my children mm-hmm. right and also like we like i said we have different you know cultural expectations mm-hmm. so it's it's for me it was it was a different thing raising children of although we came when they were still young but still it's it's a it's, it's very different raising children in Uganda and raising right. them here it's, it's really very, very different. it's really interesting that you you talk about feeling like you were in a safer space in Uganda because yeah. the mentality is always that you come to Canada for you know to give your kids a better life to give you any and it's much better to raise your children abroad kids who are born Uh abroad have a a much better um chance or a much better upbringing but you bring up an interesting point in that you mentally you were at ease raising your kids in uganda because you had a lot of help which obviously in canada is expensive like you, you can't really afford maids in this country yeah um, you can't. so what was your what was your take when you realized that you you know now you've landed in canada did you immediately realize that your parenting styles were going to change did you or was it sort of like you slid into that role 
to be honest, I realized that my, my parenting style had to complete, like, do a complete 360. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's very different. Mm-hmm. It's honestly very, very different when it comes to, like, uh, disciplining a child. You can't hit a child here. You only, you can, the only thing you can do is, like, talk to them. Right. Like, give them a punishment. Take away what they want most. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to, like, you have to listen to your child. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, for me, like, if when I was growing up, whatever my mom said, that would go. Whatever mommy says, it goes, right? Yeah. You don't even have the right to say, mom, why are you doing, why are you asking me to do this? Mm-hmm. Because they, they, they raise us to, like, have that, you know, extra respect for for our parents, not just our parents, actually elders, right? Mm-hmm. But but again, I realized that here, like, children have the right to express themselves, whether mm-hmm. they're hurting, whether they're, they don't feel comfortable with whatever you're telling them to do. Mm-hmm. And as an African person, I sometimes I felt, I, I used to feel like, this child is disrespecting me. But then I came to terms with it and I'm like, I'm living in a whole different setting mm-hmm. and I have to listen to my child because they are growing up and they need, the, I mean, they have a voice mm-hmm. which they have to like freely express, right? right? So it's a very different, you know, way of raising kids. Like it's the dynamics of raising a child in, um, in Canada right. compared to Uganda are very very different very different i i agree and and now i want to ask you this so we grew up you know we were not allowed to express anger you Uh know at least not in front of your parents like you couldn't express that you were not happy with whatever your parents said and when you're you were expected to listen to each and everything that your parents said now Uh do you think that that is the, an unhealthy way to raise children because doesn't it then cause them because if we're talking about you know when your elders speak everything goes doesn't that then make children susceptible to abuse it does for sure because i like speaking from my own experience mm-hmm. when i like when i um when i was growing up mm-hmm. anything that my mom said because my dad died when I was 10, so I was raised by my mom. Mm-hmm. But everything that my mom said would go. And then, like, when we when it came when it came to the school system, we went to school, we were not really like taught how to like really express ourselves. I can't even tell you if I remember the one single time that I stood in front of a class and I did a presentation. Not even at the university, right? Yeah. So yeah. you kind of tend to bottle in things and don't, you know, express yourself freely. Mm-hmm. And so when I came to Canada and I went to Humber College to do my diploma, mm-hmm. the very first time I stood in front of a class, I almost fainted. Yeah. Because this is not how we are raised to exactly. like really express ourselves. And it, it took me time to finally like em, like you know come to terms with the fact that I have to stand in front of a class mm-hmm. and, and do an actual presentation and this is something that stems from home right. because they feel like oh if I express how I feel my parent is going to say I'm being disrespectful exactly right? and even in so, schools but, we were not allowed to tell teachers how we felt exactly right. so 
when you say that, yeah, it makes kids more susceptible to abuse. It's because when someone does something to you and they're an elder, you feel like if I talk about it, I'm going to be disrespectful. Exactly. So they kind of, the kids kind of like bottle it in and they don't say anything. And whoever is abusing them will continue to do it because this is how this child was raised. I'm not supposed to say anything mm-hmm. that an elder person has done to me mm-hmm. or I'm not supposed to talk about something that someone has done to me. It doesn't actually have to be like sexual abuse. It can be verbal, verbal abuse or mm-hmm. any kind of abuse. Exactly. But we are not raised to like talk about it. Mm-hmm and freely express how we feel about it mm-hmm. but when i came to canada i realized that children need a voice i absolutely don't have to, like raise them the way i was raised i should change the status quo and give my children a platform to do it but in a respectful way was your husband on board with this you know so now you're in canada you realize okay i gotta do things differently i want to listen to my kids was your husband on board because you are married and you are raising your kids with your husband was he up to the to to the same plan that you had to do things differently yes he was on board actually the good thing about my husband is the fact that like um we always agree when it comes to disciplining children for example if hansel does something and we agree that we're taking away his phone Mm-hmm. He will not come and say, oh, uh, you should have your phone. No. We're mm. always on the same page. Always, okay, that's a nice breath of fresh air. <laughs> yes, because then that confuses a child and they're like, okay, if I do this and um, I manipulate mom, mm-hmm. I'm going to get away with it. Exactly. So if he does something and I'm like, no, this is, this is, this is your punishment. Right. And he goes to dad and dad, dad says, yes, what, what mom says, it should go. So if she says, you're not watching TV for a whole week, and right. that, is suppo- that is the way it's supposed to be. So he's, he was fully on board mm-hmm. as well, like, like adjusting towards like raising children in this kind of setting. Now, I know that you, so because you were raised in a certain way and nobody can change right away right so it's not like you came here and then immediately you're like i'm gonna be this parent tell me about the challenges that you had when you were trying to transition into this new way of parenting when you got here um because we all know that you know in in uh, in africa and um in uganda to be uh like to be specific Mm -hmm. Disciplining pretty much is like beating you or like, you know, like spanking you. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's a different way of raising children in Uganda. Like when you do something, they won't really take you, take away your, your gadget because we don't, we didn't even grow up with gadgets. No. Per se, <laughs> except for, for the TV, which was like two channels and it would come on like at six in the evening. And when it came on at six in the evening, my mom would be watching the news or something. Mm -hmm. So it was basically for us like playing outside. But so every time like you were in trouble, like Mm -hmm. the the most common mode of disciplining you was like spanking you. Yeah. But then when we come to Canada, it's it's different. You can't put your your hands on your child, you know? Mm -hmm. They feel, they believe that there's different ways of disciplining a child and you know trying to correct bad behavior mm-hmm. without having to spank them mm-hmm. so it's something that i had to learn 
right. because we were raised being beaten and spanked. Where know? did you learn that from? Did you go to classes? Because when I came, yeah, when I came, you know, like you know, when you meet people like from church, they tell you, oh, you you don't have to to like hit a child when you hit a child they will call the police on you it's mm-hmm. not right to hit a child so mm-hmm. like people tell you like people kind of like give you a rundown of how things you know are done here mm-hmm. so you kind of have an idea of you know how to do things so mm-hmm. i had to like you know kind of like adjust right to that because mm-hmm. i know that yeah it's, it's not allowed as much as we grew up being spanked and all yeah i know that and, and having studied like a bit of behavior management i know that if i if my son does something mm-hmm. and I, I i take away something that he likes mm-hmm. he will not do it again so yeah. i feel like so our parents were kind of like unfair i feel like spanking a child is not the only way to like you know discipline a child i There's agree a whole bunch of ways yeah to like discipline a child without having to put your hands on them I agree and I think I think one of the the reasons I really I don't agree with beating like because when I I don't know maybe other people had a different experience but when my mom would beat me there was not there was never an explanation it was you did something and then you were beaten and then it's like okay there's no conversation there isn't a you know what you did was wrong because like my mom was very was extremely critical uh-huh. and like simple things like if you're chewing loudly that was wrong if your I mouth know. was open for no reason like if you're just sitting there and like your mouth is wide open that was oh no you couldn't do that yeah if you were like if you were drinking my mom had this thing like if you over drink without putting the cup down like she'd be like are you greedy what's wrong why did you act like i don't buy <laughs> yes. food what the hell is wrong with you yeah Yeah. so everything every tiny little thing was was a beating and then now i'm an adult who has extreme anxiety (laughs) like you know i'm always wondering if i'm doing something wrong it doesn't matter what it is i'm always like okay am Mm -hmm. i am i uh am i doing something like yeah because there was never that conversation of you don't open your mouth because it's just not cute you know you look like you just you you just don't look good when you do that or stop chewing loudly it's irritating Uh there was never that it was just a direct slap to the face yeah or wherever she could find (laughs) so i feel like it's wrong like you know but some people will be listening to this hilda and they're gonna be like "Mm, hilda you're giving your kids the room to disrespect you when you give it's like you're giving them a big head what would you say to those parents to be honest um when you offer beat a child they kind of get used to it Mm. I don't know, like, I know that some what, some of our audience, like, might not understand together, but forgive me, Baguwa, Ostegira, like, yeah. they get used to the beating, but it does not, like, affect them anymore. Right. Whereas, like, kids of these days, they love gadgets, they love Barbie dolls, they love a whole bunch of things. Mm-hmm. And trust me, when you take it away, my son loves his phone. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, he breathes, lives, and, uh, you know, it's like his blood. Yeah. So when I take it away from him, mm-hmm. he will come saying, 
mommy, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But you know what? When when I'm disciplining him and if I say I'm taking away your phone for three days, right? I feel hurt when he's telling me I'm sorry. But but then I don't want to like cut short the, the punishment. I'm like, okay, I'll give it to you after a day. No, I have to follow through with the punishment. Mm-hmm. And usually when, I, when I'm punishing him for something that he has done and I take away his phone, trust mm. me, he will not do it again. Do you explain to him why you are punishing him? Yes, I always explain because I'll never do something, I'll never take away something or a privilege or anything without explaining because I always tell him that every behavior, everything that you do has a repercussion has an, an outcome for it mm-hmm. so if you do something but this is what is going to happen so mm-hmm. he always knows i like every time i'm punishing him or if i tell him i'm not by he loves to play roblox uh, so usually mm-hmm. i tell him when you do something good i'll buy you a roblox gift card mm-hmm. so when if he does something pr- before i buy the gift card i will always tell him you know what i'm, I'm withdrawing the, with the, the gift card i'm not buying it Right. And he will cry. He's like, "I'm sorry, mommy. I'm sorry," but I'm like, he has to learn that, that his consequences because consequences don't that, just stop; they continue. Exactly. Yeah. So for me, when I'm punishing my kids, I'm I'm taking away something. Right. Even if they came to me and cried and cried, I, I feel bad that you know, like maybe they've you know they've realized what they've done is wrong. But I will always follow through with the punishment. I'll not cut it short because when you cut it short, then there's a loophole yeah it loses meaning because then they'll just be like oh well i can just come back and cry you know kind of the equivalent of of white tears i'll just (laughs) i'll just cry and everything will work in my favor now Mm -hmm. let's talk about you so we we both grew up in uganda i don't know about you but when i was growing Mm -hmm. up i didn't really think of myself as black um not that i thought i was white but you i remember like being black was an insult you know when you said somebody was black you were implying that they were extremely dark-skinned and therefore not attractive or it was it was when you said oh but that guy is black you're saying that guy is ugly or oh my gosh why are you so dark And now tell me about when you come to Canada and you're signing forms and then you have to identify as black or you have to identify as a minority. Uh Is that something you were like, "Mm, who cares? Or did did it? Because for me, it shook me up a little bit when I realized that I was being identified as black and as a minority. A minority. Yeah. To be honest, that kind of bothers me. Mm-hmm. And like while while I was growing up, we used to like fantasize about white people. Right. <laughs> and like every time we'd see like a white person, we'd like be excited, mm-hmm. like that, you know. Yes. So while growing up, like even lighter skinned people would like you know be make friends with them in school, mm-hmm. and we would like kind of like idolize them as you know like like beautiful, beautiful people, yeah right yeah but then when i come to canada and i'm like black people as like are categorized as like minorities i'm like really right it was like 
wait a minute, I'm a minority? Like, yes. I was definitely, I was like, what the hell? And you, you guys are, because you have to remember, I'm coming from a country where black is an insult. So not only yes. are you insulting me by calling me black, you're also saying that I'm a minority, like I'm yes. less than. At least that's how I took it the first time I yeah. saw that. Yeah. To be honest, I feel like that's an insult because at the end of the day, we are all like human beings. Mm -hmm. It's just the difference in our, like the, the, the color of our skin. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it's wrong for them to categorize us as minorities, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And that is where the like the, the systemic racism comes in, and we feel like we, we actually don't also believe in ourselves because we we have that mindset that we've been you know categorized as as minorities. Mm -hmm. So we feel like we're not worthy of you know anything that other people who are <laughs> like you know of that are white like race. Mm -hmm. So we like we feel like we're not worthy to like to get the same treatment as other people right because it's a mindset that they have created in us to believe that you know we are not worthy of anything so it's yeah. it kind of baffled me by the way and i'm like wow so <laughs> right I, yeah we are minorities you know yeah and but some people argue hilda that they say minority because we are we we don't hold the truth is white people are the majority meaning there's a lot more white people than black people but do you think so so that's their reasoning and, and what do you think of that that they're I saying we call you minorities because Tamuli like there's not that many of you no to be honest i don't believe that because look at canada the the, the, the population of the white actually the white people mm -hmm. and the colored people that means like the indians like the caribbeans the black people like that we are the majority mm, the immigrant because population the day, the, 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 there's a very small population of uh, like the actual white people compared to like the black people mm. so i feel like that's that, that's their way of categorizing us as minorities that like we, we we don't have like you know access to resources we don't have you know enough education we don't have mm. like yeah all those things that they chosen like to categorize us into but I, I i honestly don't believe that there are more like there are more white people than black people i don't because even when you like think about the number of children that we the minorities right. <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know, if you look at a typical household right of a white family and a black family mm -hmm. i mean we grew up in big fam like i have a big family right mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. when you when you when you look at those statistics you see that like white families are smaller than mm. actually black families so i kind of don't really believe that white people are more than black people to be honest but you I know what like you bring up like you bring up a really good point uh -huh. because it could be that i've never thought of it in that way uh -huh. because the issue could be that the reason they categorize black people as minorities it may not be based on numbers but no it's based on the fact that they're overly represented in high places Yes. And so what happens when white people are represented in high places, they don't think about black or brown people. Yeah. 
um that's a really good point because yeah. when even when we i know this happens in the u.s i'm sure it happens in canada uh-huh. when so in the u.s if you are not home while they're doing the census uh-huh. they count you as white oh wow yeah so if they come to your door and you're not there, they will say that person is white. Wow. Which is like mind blowing, yeah. you know? And, um, but I think that you're right. I think that the voices of black people, the voices of, of people of color are minimal compared yeah, to well exactly compared to white people and then we end up with terms like minorities like even let's assume for argument's sake that that we were less than the population uh, of white people do we have to be classed as minorities no, why could yeah why couldn't it just be i don't know like fewer numbers <laughs> <laughs> or like, why yes. does my whole identity have to be a minority or or um, marginalized or you yeah. know that sort of language? I think mm-hmm. it can be it can be dangerous. Yeah, and demeaning, you know, to, mm-hmm. to black people and right. colored people, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's really like for me, it's it's not fair. Just mm-hmm. like you said that uh, white people are overrepresented and black people are, do not like, you know, um, have the equal access to like resources like education, like jobs, like, you know, healthcare. Mm-hmm. So as long as oh, the white people will be overrepresented in like, you know, top most uh, positions, so they'll always see themselves as like bigger in numbers mm-hmm. because there's less black people in those positions. Mm-hmm. So for them, they, they might feel like, oh, we are be like we are higher in numbers compared to black people. So but the truth is, them, and yeah. yet the thing is, you're just not putting black people in those places. Exactly. That's really interesting. I've never, I've never thought about that. But I'm, I, I think it's possible. White people have created a a very weird system you know Uh that has blocked us in in any way imaginable so i wouldn't be surprised if because the the funny thing is every time i see you know the toronto star or Uh cp24 when there is a statistic about black people specifically it always has this language in it that's like really weird they always make you feel like it's almost like they're telling you, look, there's not that many of you, so it's like a way to keep you in check. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really weird because when you when they write about white people, there's never the language is different in terms of like numbers. It is very different. There's not very a lot different. of numbers being used, like oh, black people are only two percent of this population. Black people are only two you know, 2% of, and, and it may be true, but I wonder what the point of that is to, yes, we, we are aware that these things are happening, but what are you going to do about it? And what's the point of talking about it year after year? If, uh-huh. if we keep saying, oh, 
you know, black people are only 8% of the Ontario's population and yet they're 30 times likely, more likely to be stopped by the police. Okay, uh -huh. and then what? Then what? Because they've made us believe that, you know, <laughs> we are few in numbers, yet we are actually a lot, but mm -hmm. because, like, just like you said, we are not well represented, we do not have, like, the same opportunities to be where we're supposed to be, mm -hmm. and, like, they specifically and intentionally, like, block black people from, you know, accessing these resources just so they can, you know, be present mm -hmm. so it turns out that you know they kind of feel like they are bigger and more in numbers compared to black people right because they're over overly in an extreme way white people are extremely represented in yes in in even places where <laughs> they don't need to be and the funny mm -hmm. thing is i've found that in every job you will always see a white person like white people it never comes to mind for white people that you know what maybe i need to leave this particular thing so that a black person can do it you find yeah you'll find white people working at organizations specifically for uh you know aboriginal people sorry not i don't want to say aboriginal first nations people uh -huh. and and then you and then they'll be like oh well i know i look white but i'm 26 percent native and then i'm always like but you need but you're taking up space because the truth is you benefit from white privilege so your 26 percent native blood isn't like you know like it's anyway i just feel like for me, I would, I, I, there are certain jobs I don't apply for. Like if it says this is a First Nations, you know, agency and we're looking for somebody that identifies as First Nations. Um, yeah. I never apply for those jobs because I'm like, this could go to, to somebody that, you know, could, could represent that community and the, yes. the person who is receiving the services will benefit more. But that never yes. seems to come to mind for white people <laughs> yeah they always like take up those positions and right. you know deny the people who rightfully mm -hmm. would have been able to you know take up those positions so there's yeah. a bit of an unfairness but of you know course. this is the life the, the world that we live in so right yeah um let's talk about racism when did you uh -huh. start to realize that you were living in a place where racism was very much because because canada canadians who are racist are a lot of the time like very subtle um yes uh they're very like microaggressive like things like oh my god your english is so good why is that aren't you african or or yes. you know you're you're pretty for i've never seen such a pretty black girl Yes. So, <laughs> tell me about when you realized, oh shit, um, that stuff I watched, you know, in those African American movies back home was real. I started to realize, um, uh, like there was like, you know, that subtle racism. First, with my accent, 
Oh, where'd mm. you come from? Your accent is different. Mm. I'm like, I'm proudly Ugandan. Oh, where's Uganda? Is it in Africa? I'm like, no, Africa is a continent and mm. Uganda is a country. It's the pearl of Africa. Mm-hmm. And then other people will tell me, oh, Idi Amin. I'm like, that man was a good man. <laughs> to oh, be honest, shit. Every time someone tells me about Idi Amin, I am like his number one advocate. I'm like, are you serious? Man. I don't care what you get. Yeah, I don't care what you guys are saying about oh boy. him. He was a good man. Like, I'm, I will stand up for my country. Oh boy. But anyway, mm-hmm. a classic example of racism that I actually like experienced was with was with my son when he was in grade three. Mm. So he used to come home and tell us, "Mommy, there's this white boy who keeps disturbing me in class. Mm. There's this white boy who keeps like disrupting me in class." Meanwhile, his teacher would always write in his agenda, "Hansel is a bad boy. Hansel does not pay attention. Hansel, like to the point that I was so stressed about it, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I I used to like write back and forth to her." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but you're telling me a different thing, but my son is telling me a different thing. So mm-hmm. I got to a point that I had to like schedule a meeting and actually meet the teacher and discuss my son's situation because it was like really stressing me out. Because mm-hmm. my son kept on telling me, maybe this boy is bullying me. And every time I tell the teacher, he's like, she, she kind of like turns it around and makes it look like it's my fault. Right. And I would scold my son, who would scold him, take away like his privileges, and like punish him. Like you're not going to watch TV, you're not going to do this. Until at one point he told me, "Mommy, I don't want to go to school." Mm-hmm. So that's when I called the principal because the, the issue had like gone beyond the teacher because we could like do correspondences via the, like his agenda, and she wasn't doing anything. She was just like blackmailing my son tarnishing his name meanwhile i was talking to other parents and they're like if that record goes to his like um this what they call uh they write something about your your child like that record goes with him mm. up to a certain like you know grade right so so I, I i was like i can't let this happen because by the time this boy tells us i don't want to go to school mm. this is something like this is an environment that the teacher has created for him not to want to go to school right so i call the principal and i'm like i've got these so so many messages from the teacher telling me my son is you know doing something always doing something in school in class he doesn't complete his work but every time he brings his work we make sure that he finishes his work and meanwhile my son loves math he's a very smart boy mm-hmm. but she always like made up something to make him look like he wasn't doing anything mm-hmm. he was he was like he would she would say oh he's, he does not complete his tasks on time he does not uh stand in a straight line when it's time for when it's when recess is done she, she would always find something to write about him right i kept that agenda like it was like it's like a souvenir because that agenda like we had to actually buy another agenda because it was full of that teacher's you know comments oh my god so anyhow mm-hmm. i had to call the principal and i'm like there's something that is really bothering me my son is telling me he doesn't want to go to school Mm-hmm. because of a matter that I have tried to address and it's not going away. So the principal was like, okay, I'm going to look into it. We'll, 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 we'll follow. I'm going to follow it up and I hope, you know, your son will feel okay and comfortable at, at school. So she kind of dealt with it. 
Mm-hmm. And of course, I would check in with with my son, and I'm like, "How did school go? Did that boy bother you again? Did he bully you?" Mm-hmm. So I told the principal, "Can you change uh, their sitting positions mm-hmm. so that this boy does not, you know, have anything to do with, you know, my son?" Mm-hmm. So she's like, "Okay, we'll look into it." So for the like for two weeks, it kind of like went down, mm-hmm. but then. My son kept on telling us that during recess, this boy kind of like ganged up with other boys to still bully him. That oh is when God. I'm like, if it had been a white boy mm-hmm. being treated like this, would I have gone like all these months trying to advocate for my son to stop whatever what, for whatever was happening to him? Mm-hmm. Like if it was a white like a, a, like a white person. Right. Would they actually have let this, you know, this situation go on and on and on and on? Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, every time the teacher would write something about my son, I mm-hmm. think she wanted me to be on her side. I would always advocate for my son. I'm like, I know my child. He cannot do that. And she would mm-hmm. be like, oh, I'm telling because I spent the whole day with him. I know him. I'm like, no, I am his mom. I know him. He cannot do this. Can you imagine the white nerve yeah. to think that you know yeah. somebody's kid more than them? Exactly, because she wanted me to add me to something just so she can put it on record. So I told, we told her, no, we know our son, he can never do something like this. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when the boy started like bullying him during recess, mm-hmm. I, so I called the principal. I remember that day I called the principal and I'm like, I have done my part. I have talked to you. I, I talked to the teacher and nothing is being done. If you don't make that boy stop bullying our son, I'm going to escalate this issue to the, the school superintendent. Mm. So when I say that, and she actually like realized I was serious, mm-hmm. she had to make him stop. Because I told him, if you don't make her stop, mm-hmm. I will escalate this issue. And you know, they have, they have this... Thing that black people we can't really like express ourselves and then when we express ourselves we are angry right but i'm trying to put a point across this is my son because mm-hmm. i remember she was like oh you don't have to be angry i'm like I've, but i've been speaking i've been talking i've been i've been trying to advocate for my son because i'm right. not going to change his school just because you can't deal with one kid who is you know bullying him so if you can't yeah. deal with this, this issue, I'm going to escalate it to to a higher authority. Right. So when I say that, I think that's when it dawned on her. And she's like, okay, she's serious. That is crazy but that it that, had to yeah, get that to that point. Racism, yeah. It is. Yeah. It's a lot in school. It oh is a lot. God. Yeah. I, I can definitely um, relate to that when I when I moved to Canada I was uh-huh. put in ESL classes even though I passed the so there's this like immigration grade placing that you have to do when you come to Canada uh-huh. anyway so I was put in the right grade but uh, they put me in ESL and uh-huh. I remember like for me personally, being a child in grade seven, I was like, I guess this is what Canadian education is like, you know? And I yeah. I was in a class of kids that, like, couldn't read. Mm-hmm. 
and I was like, we, yes, what's... we are taught English from nursery school. Right. And I was like, we this is English. like, this is weird. But again, I was like, okay, maybe this is how things work over here. And then one day I'm, cause I never talked. I had just come from Uganda. I never talked to anybody. I had zero friends. Uh-huh. I was just always on my own. And one day the teacher says, can you read out of a passage or whatever? Uh-huh. And then I start to read. And the whole classroom is in shock. Yeah. They're literally like, holy shit. Like, like what's going on? So yeah. the teacher is like, oh my God. Uh, okay. Uh, like he, he was so confused. And then the people in my classmates were like, why are you in this class? You can read. You know, I remember being asked to spell disadvantage in grade seven. Uh And I was like, are you guys for real? Like, is this like a serious thing? We do not know English. We don't know how to speak English. And yet you call a not. And you know what? And that's a whole nother conversation. But yeah. so the the teacher was so shocked that she stopped that, that he stopped the class and he was like, "Okay, why don't you come with me to the principal's office?" Uh-huh. And so he's like, "Why is she in ESL? She has she speaks English, she reads and she writes, right?" And yeah. so they call my mom and my mom is like, "What did you do?" Of course, my mom automatically assumes that I did something. Uh-huh. And I'm like, mommy, they have put me in ESL. I don't know what it means, but they've said you need to come to the school. Oh, uh-huh. when I tell you my mother came in guns blazing, she was telling the prince, she was like, you people come to our country. You forced us to speak your colonizers. And now uh-huh. when we speak English, that's not good enough for you. Who told you the whole of... And then she realized they put me in academic French where I was failing because in Uganda, we don't speak French. Yeah. And she was... She cussed them out so bad that they had to, like, transfer... So they had to, like, transfer my grade, you know, like, transfer all my classes and apologize and apologize. And they're like, we just... We just thought because she just came from Uganda that she wouldn't uh-huh. speak english and it's like can you imagine making such a st- you'd think that white people would know that their they, they their ancestry is colonization and that yep. their ancestors went all over the world to force people to speak english you should actually yep. assume we all speak english because exactly. of what your ancestors did and, and the fucking nerve is, it, like, I just, it, oh, it, it's so, and, it, you know, day in and day out, I'm like, why don't white people understand that it is because of colonization that my English is so good? Yeah, I get that a lot. They, they, they ask me, where'd you come from? I'm like, Uganda, how come you speak English so well? I'm like, what the fuck? We, we study English from nursery school. They're like, oh, really? I'm like, yes. To the point that we're punished for speaking Luganda or our languages in school. <laughs> I know. We would be, they would, they would uh, make us wear socks. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. We had this thing in school <laughs> with a coin. Uh-huh. I mean. And then you have, English. 
you have the fucking nerve to be like oh well the official language in uganda kenya nigeria is english like what is wrong with you bitches it's so fucking they find it so strange but no but this is your fault it's not your this is your people's fault yeah read a fucking book i don't know stop asking me why my english is so good you bitches should know why your people did it yeah you see even when you apply for citizenship there's a there's a there's a section that uh you have to like fill out you have to like have passed a certain level of english Mm -hmm. for you to get the citizenship yeah they make people do um an english test which is so fucking ridiculous on one hand you're telling people that this country is a mosaic and how this country welcomes immigrants well bitch immigrants come from all over the world and they may not speak that fucking colonizer language of yours yeah like they want you to like conform to their and they make people take english it's crazy the, the thing that is amazing to me is they make people so it's not because i was fortunate in that i went to school here and so the english piece was not even a question i was not asked about that um because i went to elementary high school and post-secondary here but there are people say who english is their second language for example and not only did they have to pay for the English test, uh-huh. English test and their citizenship, they actually had to go to these resource centers to uh-huh. take English classes. Wow. Just to get their citizenship. And it's like, Canada, are you fucking kidding me? Excuse my language. But yeah, like... Because, I mean, they should let people be. If you let people come here... It shouldn't be about them speaking English. Exactly. They'll figure that out, right? Can you imagine? Don't force them. Don't force them. You know? I couldn't believe it that someone had to go and pay. It's I think it's free actually, but like the fact that you have to go and and do something for six weeks, then come and the I think the English test is three hundred dollars. Wow. And it's like it's it's unbelievable because you you can't say you're immigrant friendly and yet you're forcing people to speak the it's like you're immigrant friendly if the immigrants speak english and if they assimilate to your society that's bullshit yeah you bitches come to africa all the time and no one forces you to speak african languages exactly but they feel that it's it's okay for us to you know it has to like we have to speak their language as a requirement for us to get their citizenship right it is so ridiculous to me thank you for listening stay tuned for part two next week this season on the podcast I'm bringing Carmen back and we're going to be giving you guys some tips on how to deal with those bitches in the workplace also known as the Karens I will also be talking to a man about his perspective on feminism. More specifically, we'll be discussing the book 
All About Love by Bell Hooks. And last but not least, I'm bringing my auntie on the podcast to discuss consent. That and many, many more. Make sure you set your calendars to every first and last Saturday of every month. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and let me know what kind of topics do you want to hear? I want to hear from you. What do you think of the episodes? Anyways, I gotta go, but remember to stay black always. <laughs>